be bold and be brave and just go for it. As photographers, we are always looking for powerful images that, that will hold time in place, that will draw people in and symbolize something universal, something shared, something emotional. Everybody needs to see what's going on everywhere. Pictures just stand out. This is how we remember. Insights, kits, and the conversations that matter with the world's leading photographers and filmmakers in Shutter Stories. Hello and welcome back to Shutter Stories. I'm your host, Lucy Hedges. Now, I don't think anyone can deny that video streaming has grown exponentially in such a short space of time. You know, from something that was once prohibitively expensive, it's now a technology that's open and available to virtually anyone. And with the pandemic changing the way many people in the photography and videography industry work, many are turning towards live streaming as a way to keep in touch with audiences and customers, while others are using it to share their skills by broadcasting workshops. Now, joining us for today's episode is photographer and videographer Clive Booth, who has spent the last year investing his time, energy and money in his live streaming rig. He's also used it to teach students in Canon's youth programme, as well as tutoring explorer Richard Garriott, who went on an underwater adventure with an EOS R5, but more on that later. Um, we'll also be joined later in the episode by Canon product manager Chris Cartilage, who'll be lending us his expertise as we take an in-depth look at Clive's studio. Now, first things first, I'd like to welcome to the show Clive. Hello. Hello, Lucy. Thanks for uh, inviting me along. It's good to be here. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Um, how are you? I'm really good, thanks. Yeah, really good, really busy, and uh, enjoying this uh, this new way of uh, being able to communicate with you and the rest of the world. Yeah. So, so on that note, when I want to know, when did you first start exploring the possibilities of streaming? Right. Well, if if I was to be sitting where I am right now, which is in my office, come mm -hmm. studio. Uh, a year ago, it would have been purely about photography and print and filmmaking. And now I'm surrounded by external monitors, preamps, switches, uh, tablets, um, multiple cameras, and uh, and specialist software as well. Not to mention uh, professional microphones. So, uh, and I and again, if I was to look back twelve months ago, I would have no clue how to use any of it. Yeah. So your kit's gone up a notch. Your knowledge has gone up a notch. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, so when you started out, you, you're, like you just said, your your knowledge was quite limited. You didn't really. Am I right by saying you didn't really know what you were doing? No, no, I didn't. And I mean, <laughs> I, what I, I guess what what I have the advantage I did have was that. You know, I'm a filmmaker, so you know I work with editors, I work with sound designers, and in fact, it all began uh, just about a year ago when uh, the Canon Ambassador Program approached me to create a short film for the Canon Connected Program. They mm. wanted a three-minute film uh, about the way I shoot portraits and portrait lighting, and I went away, had a think about it, and thought. Actually, I think what I might do is be really ambitious. And I ended up making a 24-minute short documentary about myself, about my work. Mm. And to do that, it took about 136 different setups, uh, rostrum cameras. I made prints. And I was able to tell this story uh, in a way that I didn't think I could do before. So in... in because before, what I would have done would have I would have commissioned editors, sound designers, but because of lockdown, I only had my own uh, 
capability, my own skill set. And so it was very liberating. And it taught me that actually I can shoot a film myself. I can Mm. edit it. I can cut it. And it was actually making that film that gave me the confidence to then think, actually, this could be live. And that's what led me to build this studio. Wow. It's funny the things that you can do, really, can't you, when you know your back's kind of up against the wall and you don't have any other options and you think, like you said, you would have employed other people or used other people to help you with, with certain things, but you've had to do everything yourself. A- and ut- utilising your previous experience, I think that's just fantastic. And you learn something about yourself along the way. <laughs> uh, and you know what? If, if it hadn't been for lockdown, that would never have happened. I would not be in this position. I would not have... Um, found out this about myself. So, you know, at the age of, of what, 54, 55, in effect now, I've kind of extended my reach or my capability. And I guess somebody said to me the other day, a journalist I work with uh, said to me, it's kind of like immersive broadcasting. And so, and I'm actually really enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like you've been on like a, a journey of discovery. I love that. You found something out about yourself and you've 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 upped your skill set. I think that's fantastic. I have. And the and the reason I did it, by the way, was because between 2018, 19, uh as a Canon ambassador, I'd given over thirty separate talks and seminars. That's not including camera clubs and work outside of Canon. So I wanted to continue doing that, but also I'd been working uh, very hard with the Canon Young People Program and the charity I work with, the Ideas Foundation, working with young people uh, in the UK and, and working on storytelling workshops. So I wanted to continue that engagement with young people, and I knew that I could do that if I could create a live streaming studio, and, and that's, that was really the driver that, that really m- pushed me to do this. Yeah. And so when you first started doing your the live streams, how did you find getting to grips with the technology? Oh, it it was it was terrifying. I mean, uh, you know, I <laughs> Where mean, do you start? <laughs> oh, seriously, it was terrifying. I mean, you, you you will know. I mean, you know, you're experienced at this, you've been doing it for a long time, but I remember the first streams. It it was with a colleague of mine, uh, Nathan uh, Dewar in at Canon UK is the uh, education segment manager and Nathan and I worked very very hard because uh, Nathan wanted to reach university students, and I'd made a, a short documentary with Sir Don McCullen. I worked with Don McCullen a lot over the last uh, decade, and mm-hmm. we thought, well, we could share that uh, that talk, which is already a keynote that I have. And so that was the first work that we did. But to do that, I really wanted to find the best way to stream video, and that was the first challenge. I couldn't find a good way to stream video, and I couldn't see anybody who was doing it. So... That was when I started to bring in switches and miles of HDMI cables and then (laughs) configuring all my Canon cameras with clean HDMI and then getting the right audio uh, to be able to stream video. And once I'd I'd got that far, then it was finding the the software and actually found this very, very uh, advanced production software, which has also taken me uh, months to learn. Yeah, I bet. So you've essentially kind of created your own unique rig. I was going to ask you, did you look, did you take inspiration from what other people were doing? Did you look around? But based on what you just said, you didn't see anyone doing what you wanted to achieve. So you had to find it and do it yourself. I think the only inspiration that I would have taken would have been from a TV studio because a lot of people I talk to are experienced in this. And I've stumbled upon this because my attitude to everything that I do is I want to do it at the highest possible level. Yeah. Um, and so 
of course, I have the cameras. Um, I have from Cinema EOS right the way down to PowerShot. Um, so I have all the cameras to be able to, to create the right capture. And when you put the HDMI into switches, and then you've got you know really good video feed. But then it was how do you stream that out? How do you get that really good quality? Because of course, when you when you're streaming content, you put all this effort in to make a film or to to shoot pictures. So you want to make sure that when that reaches people, it's going to be the best it possibly can. And and to do that, it felt like there was only one way. And and in in effect, what I have created is a TV studio, really. Wow. You should be doing uh, tutorials on how to set, how to do that setup so people can copy you now. (laughs) It's funny because I do, I now get asked for that. So I said, well, I can only tell you what I've learned, but I'm more than happy to share my learnings with people. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, to, to some extent I do that. But the reason I set it up is because I wanted to tell stories. I want to tell my own story, share my own knowledge, share my own experiences with initially with young people. And then Mm -hmm. also it's grown now into uh, our CPS members and Canon customers too. So let's go back to the um, Canon Youth Programme that you mentioned. You know, you said some of the tutorials you've been doing is for that programme. Can you just tell us a little bit more about that? Um, I know you mentioned it earlier, but if you could just embellish a little bit more, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, of course. The idea of the of Canon's Youth Programme is to inspire, educate and empower young people. But our initial project was with the young people of West Cumbria. And we wanted to to bring this teaching or or, or or learning exercise for the, the students of West Cumbria who might otherwise not get this. Mm-hmm. And um, so we all headed off to West Cumbria, and we we used this seven, the United Nations 17 Sustainable Development Goals as our brief, really. And it fitted for a lot of the students there because they're on the coast. They were working on uh, the subject of plastics in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And we'll come to this. Is kind of goes full circle uh, when we come to another project I've been working on uh, with Richard Garriott a little bit later. Yes. Um, but what these students managed to achieve was absolutely extraordinary. And I also work with the National Association of Teachers for English. The reason we do this, by the way, is because. There's a great emphasis in education right now for STEM. We all hear the term STEM, science, technology, engineering, and maths. There is, you know, I've got no criticism of STEM whatsoever, but what we're trying to do is also inject art into that. So on one of my slides, for example, I call it STEAM. I push the, (laughs) you know, the letters apart and put the A in the middle there because we want to, to bring the arts into the classroom. And so... What we did, we for these young people to be able to tell, uh, create stories around awareness, creating awareness to the problem of plastics in the ocean. They used photography, they used English, and they used typography. Now, my background is in graphic design. Mm-hmm. So I'm a graphic designer, filmmaker, and a photographer. So it was perfect for me working with these young people. And the, the work they produced is literally world class. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. I love that. The- Educate, empower, and inspire, and I'm loving the new acronym STEAM. Yeah, <laughs> STEAM. Absolutely. Yeah. Bring that into any pieces yeah. I'm working on when talking about STEM. Um, now you mentioned Richard Garriott and this project that you've been working mm. on um, with him. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the project? It was, um, it was an expedition into the Marianas Trench, I believe. That's it sounds right. Yeah. Pretty interesting. So yeah, tell me, tell me more. Well, I, I personally have a huge interest in space exploration, and in fact, a couple of years ago. 
I got to meet an Apollo astronaut, which was nice. a huge deal for me, yeah. being a child of Apollo. And I got to take his portrait. Um, and that that was kind of like, uh, you know, a, a life goal for me. But the same person who I work with on that is Heather McRae. She's the CEO of the Ideas Foundation. And Heather... Uh, also works in the space industry and it was Heather who introduced me to astronaut Al Warden it was also Heather who introduced me to Richard Garriott and then through Richard Garriott's work I mean Richard uh, was uh, one of the early um, civilian uh, astronauts basically and and his dad was actually an Apollo astronaut Uh, so Richard grew up in that world and Mm. Richard actually has got a fascinating background I mean he's a games designer and um so that's where he so he built his career i guess built his wealth mm-hmm. he was then he was then able to explore the amazon volcanoes and eventually go into space like his father um i think that was back in 2008 he went in a soyuz capsule to space and then of course wow. richard looks for other opportunities and one of his ambitions was to go to the bottom of the mariana trench to challenge a deep but what's really impressed me with richard is that he he wants to take us along for the ride. And when I say us, he's taken along UK schools mm-hmm. and UK students. We've had an amazing WhatsApp group recently where we've been following Richard's journey. He's been taking uh, all manner of things, including, by the way, prints of the work produced by the students of West Cumbria about the problem of plastics in the ocean. So those prints were made on Canon printers. In fact, a colleague of mine at Canon Europe, Matthew Faulkner, had those prints made out in New York. They were delivered to Richard. I forget what printer they were produced on. Uh, Richard then uh, has taken those prints to the bottom of the Mariana Trench. What's interesting about those prints, by the way, is that those prints uh, were part of the, the 17 UN Sustainable Development Goals and uh, being plastics in the ocean. And Richard has subsequently found plastics uh, at the bottom of the Mariana Trench. Now, we're talking about nearly seven miles below the surface of the Pacific Ocean. Um, I mean, they're in a a sphere. It's a titanium sphere. It's nine centimetres thick titanium. It's a perfect sphere uh, in this submarine, this incredible Mm. submarine. It's the only submarine in the world that can dive to that depth repeatedly. And it's eight tons per square inch of pressure upon that submarine. So what we're talking about here is an extraordinary trip. Mm -hmm. Um, And also Richard took along with him a Canon ESR. And so what, 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 does, what role do you play in all of this? You were teaching him. Okay, well, my, my role in that was really uh, working. I've been working actually on both aspects, working with Richard on helping him mm-hmm. uh, use his Canon. And so Nathan Dewar uh, at Canon UK and I have been joining Richard or inviting him into our live streaming software. And uh, in my live streaming software, I have multiple cameras, but I also have, uh, I can actually connect to camera so Richard can see the feed through the lens. He can see the electronic viewfinder and also he can see the back of the camera. 
So we we actually went. I think there was one time when he was in Austin and Nathan and I joined him. We did a two-hour non-stop deep dive, if you'll excuse <laughs> the pun, uh, into the camera. And uh, Richard, of course, being an astronaut, mm. picked it up really quickly. He never, you know, he, ne- he he we didn't have to tell him anything twice. And so we also talked about lighting technique. And I t- I, I also. In fact, just before he went uh, on the dive, I gave him one of my live streams mm-hmm. about portrait photography. And um, so it wasn't purely just about technical. It was very much about aesthetic as well. Yeah. So you uh, you were a really crucial part of this project. You know, you've equipped him with information and knowledge and expertise that he might not necessarily have had before I don't know, he went I, down there. I don't know whether that was crucial, but it was certainly, I hope that I helped and certainly Nathan helped. And and also we really enjoyed it. You know, we enjoyed being along for the ride. And and, and it was only when he was on the on ship, I think he was just about to go on the dive or he was just back from the dive. I suddenly thought, is this the first time a cannon has been to the bottom of the Mariana Trench. And uh, he asked some questions on ship because the ship's cameraman uh, uses cannon. And he said no one on their expeditions to Challenger Deep had taken a cannon. So we think it's probably the first time a cannon's been to the bottom of the Mariana Trench. Yeah, I love I love a world first. That's pretty cool. Me too. <laughs> I want to go back to your live streaming, um, your live hmm. streams. When you first started... What did you hope to get out of it and have you achieved that? That's a good question. I'll be absolutely honest with you. When I first started, all I wanted to do was to uh, reach young people. That that was my primary goal as well as uh, all the requests I get across uh, Canon EMEA, Europe, Middle East and Asia, uh, Africa. And um, I wanted to be able to continue to work with uh, those countries and share basically i have a very eclectic mix of work yeah so it's fashion it's portrait it's beauty um i work out at sea with lifeboats for the royal national lifeboat institution i work in scotland with the people of a scottish island i make films i shoot pictures i work in print so i wanted to share all of these stories so i'm sitting on almost two decades of content that I can share with people, but all the stories that go along with that. So I wanted to be able to, to share that story. And we'd, we'd also built a, uh, a storytelling workshop uh, for the ideas foundation, the Canon young people program. And I wanted to be able to continue sharing that storytelling workshop with young people. I must say I, I was kind of naive initially because I thought we'd be working with school straight away. And it took a lot longer than I think any of us thought Mm -hmm. for, for the whole, um, now I think we're terming it as blended learning because some of it is live streaming, some of it's actually face to face. But that was that was my goal initially, and now finally, you know, a year later, it, it's hap- we're doing it almost weekly. Wow! And do you think this is something that you'll continue to explore then, when in person work- workshops are possible later on, or hopefully later on this year? <laughs> well, I think education's term come up with this term of blended learning, and I think that's what it is. And whether it's blended learning or it's blended presentation or blended workshop, um, I don't think there's any question that. Well, there's no question. This will continue. Yeah, I agree. I mean, in a, in a live stream, we can tailor our live streams. I mean, for example, um, since November, I've been working with another colleague of mine, uh, Ferenc Torek, and he's in uh, Canon Eastern Europe. Now, I must say, and I have to, I, I, I'm, it's, this is really important, that without the help of uh, Ferenc, 
and without the help of Nathan, who have literally put months of support into this with me of their own time and effort, that I wouldn't be sitting here and I wouldn't yeah. be sharing this story with you right now. So there has been a, a lot of help along the way, along with Heather and along with YPP and Young People Programme. So, you know, that that it, it's very much a collaborative mm-hmm. process. Uh, but at the moment, we're working in Malta, Ukraine, Bulgaria, Romania. And next, Romania, we did a three-hour stream two weeks ago. We only started out to do a one-and-a-half-hour stream, but it became like a kind of like a – a chat yeah. and everybody seemed to want to stay on so we kept going um next week we've got or the week after next week we've got uzbekistan we've got uh, on uzbekistan for example we've got um we've got english russian and uzbek all simultaneously happening in terms of languages yeah um and then we've got greece slovenia croatia and georgia and that that's just on that's just on canon emea i mean also my agent and i recently did a live stream for the University of Georgia in Atlanta, America, as well as the work I'm doing with Robert F. Kennedy and UK schools. So I've been teaching, for example, just a couple of weeks ago, I was teaching 55 year fives. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing. Wow, you are a busy man, aren't you? (laughs) I'm actually busier than I would normally be, believe it or not. Yeah, I think talking to a lot of uh, photographers, videographers and people in other industries as well, being in the pandemic, lockdown has caused people to work, to do a lot more work, which is a, is a good thing, you know. And you sound, it sounds like it's, it's been exactly the same for you. And the demand sounds incredible. So I was going to say to you, what has demand been like? But based on what you just said, it sounds like you're the man uh, well, in demand right now. It, it is. And also, and you, I'm sure you find this, Lucy, you know, you, you know because in the, in the business that you're in, and I'm kind of on the fringes of that now because I never ever intended to be a broadcaster yeah. for example and now I'm being asked like last Friday Canon UK uh, a couple of weeks before said would you mind interviewing Martin Parr and of course I, I get very nervous immediately I hear that because you know how you have to prepare for an interview yeah. you know you've got to really research and think about it and of course I'm using this system to do that and so last Friday I did my first interview with legendary photographer Martin Parr. And it was actually a joy to do. I really, really enjoyed it. And then over the weekend, we had the photography show and yeah. I had three events for that. And the other thing, of course, that I'm doing, I um, I actually uh, did a pre-record for a paper company before that, for Hannah Mueller Paper, before that. And um, that was also a collaboration with Canon. So I was talking about the importance of paper, but I was also talking about Color managed workflow in print, Canon printers, Canon input, Canon output. And I was using everything that I have here as my live stream, but I was actually recording it in full HD with great sound and then cutting it all very much like I did a year ago when I made my very first film on my own, which I laugh about because I call it, it's a film I made with with the help of my cat because that was just me and him. He actually, he actually stars in the film. He's at the end. I've got a little um, cameo. So if you, yeah, if you do want to watch that film, yeah, Clive Booth Home, it's called. It's on YouTube. It's uh, part of the Canon Connected uh, series. Awesome. Okay, Clive, now um, I really want to get technical. I want to dive into the specifics oh, of dear. your tech setup. Um, so we're now being joined by Canon product specialist, Chris Cartilage, um, who's here to talk through the specifics of your setup and um, what you use and why. So Chris, hi, how are you? Hi Lucy, thank you very much for having me and hi Clive. 
Hello, Chris. Ah, oh, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you here. I'm looking forward to picking your brain. Um, first of all, Chris, can you tell us a little bit about what you do at Canon? Sure. Well, I launch uh, photo and video products into the EMEA market. Um, it, lots of different um, aspects of the job, but I guess at the core of it, it's um, it's important for me to understand what the products we we make do at a very very deep level and understand mm-hmm. the the people who the products will be useful for. So it's all about uh, linking up um, you know what we can what we can do to help uh, different target markets and different customers do what they do better or enable them to do things that they they couldn't do before, which is I, I suppose um, a, a decent way of um, sort of introducing what we're talking about today yeah so almost like connecting people uh, and groups of people with the right bits of kit exactly yeah so we're going to talk a little bit about setting up a studio so i want to ask you chris does the size and shape of a room matter uh yeah yes and no um firstly there's if you want to start streaming and doing things there's there's very little reason why why you can't you know people start at, at any level and uh, and just build from 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 whatever they've got and you know what you're doing uh, and what you're streaming and, and broadcasting to people is kind of more important in mm-hmm. in most ways than the um than the technical aspect of it really but um i think as long as you've got enough space in your room to think of the camera as a as an extra person in a lot of ways usually so if you've got enough space to have somebody in a um in a room you've probably got enough space to put a camera in there but there are there are considerations um that that you might have to make in terms of um you know you might have uh, a desk pushed up against a wall for instance and it all works very well for you on your own mm-hmm. but you might find that um the way that you thought about laying your room out is isn't ideal for streaming and you know, maybe the camera might might be really nice behind the desk, so that the way you normally sit, you could also be looking into the camera. And so there's things like that, but there's also there's also things about you know if the room's uh, different different sizes, and maybe if it's a very uh, hard room, you know, with wood floors and no soft furnishings, you'll have uh, different considerations with audio. But generally speaking, um, uh, it's uh, make of it what you will kind of thing. I think I think where everybody's working out. How, how best to do streaming and I don't want to scare anybody away by saying everything has to be a certain way. Yeah well yeah exactly I think that's the whole point of streaming you work with what you've got and you 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 make the best setup with with the with the space that you're working with. Exactly. And do, would you say are there, are there any kind of crucial things maybe a couple or top three things that people need to do when it comes to setting up a studio or like you say is it just you know work with what you've got and make the best of it? I think there's there's a couple of of little things that and it's it's not just with streaming or photography or videography just about anything so much of of what you do is about the little bits the accessories and the little bits and bobs so you know Clive was talking earlier about having um you know miles of of HDMI cables and, and that kind of thing and so having having thought about things like um you know using our um AC power kits for our cameras so that you never have to worry about the camera losing battery. Mm-hmm. Um, having um, cables that are, are long enough so you don't have to, you know, it's not like Mission Impossible when you try and get out of the room <laughs> and limboing underneath yeah. and that kind of thing. 
so th- there's you know there's considerations like that um and there are considerations in terms of like, specific features you should look for in the camera um which we can get into a little bit more detail about if you like yeah i think it's quite important that you just mentioned that the kind of the little things you know the cables and just the little accessories i think when it comes to streaming a lot of people think about the main show the camera the tripod the lights but it's the little things as well that will make your streaming setup a, a lot more seamless when you when you actually go to start shooting yeah exactly i mean with streaming you're live so um the the less there is to to sort of trip you up yeah. I, mean, I mean that quite literally in fact uh, <laughs> the better yeah definitely okay so clive um i want you to talk us through your live streaming setup so first things first how long did it take to build um up to its current state well it's it's, a, it's an evolutionary process mm. and it, it, it even in fact Chris and I were talking just a moment ago because we've known each other for a little while now. And um, uh, only recently I talked to my sound designer, Tim Lofts in London, who I've worked with for many years. And I'd made the, pre-recorded this film and I wasn't completely happy with the sound. He said, you know what, Clive, I think you need a preamp. And he said, I think you need to match your mics. And a thousand pounds later, um, <laughs> there I am. And I've got a preamp and, and, and another uh, pro mic. So that it's it kind of evolves and so you know i won't deny it has to, to the level of which i've managed to achieve it has been expensive mm-hmm. uh, but that has been spread out over a 12 month period and and also there is de- a demand for what i do and i get paid for what i do um so you know i've i've recouped that or i'm recouping that so it is an evolutionary process but to get it to this to get it to the point it's at now i think it was just pre christmas where actually with all the help from Ferenc and Nathan and myself um, we'd been working on it since uh, sort of March, April all the way through till Christmas believe it or wow. not yeah. it was at that point where I thought now I'm ready to just focus and relax on the actual content and talk into a camera instead of talking to people yeah. so it literally did take it took that long but I don't want to put people off because you can be up and running within a day or two and and chris will will tell you that you know you could get a very simple device that you can put an hdmi cable into that will go into your computer from your camera or you can use the uh, link that we have with canon the link software that we have with canon so you can be up and running very very quickly it depends to what level you want to take it Mm -hmm. and like you said it's evolutionary so you can be set up within a couple of days and then a month later you've added something or you're building you swap the rig around which is i'm sure something that you can relate to even though you've got your kit and you you've got your your streaming setup i'm sure you you tweak little bits here and there depending on what you're doing so it's a constant state of evolution it is and collaboration is important you know this is why i keep mentioning nathan and, and frank because that collaboration all the time we were testing 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 and we realized that um, oh well we're going to need another switcher and we need to bring in another two three four cameras we need to bring two more another computer feed in and you know it was all of that that's led to you know fulfilling this kind of very ambitious uh, studio but what it means is now uh, in fact our next work our next uh, event is going to be a workshop so we're actually going to be doing a print a live print workshop now i don't know many people who are doing that yeah. and i've got specialists joining me on that so i'll be using all the multi-cameras um there'll be paper choice spectrophotometers talking about lighting yeah of course you mustn't forget by the way the lighting because i've i've created a blackout studio in my house mm-hmm. and i light myself with uh with soft 
molded uh, light from LEDs, the same light that I use and the same color temperature I use for my color managed workflow. So there's, there are a lot of things to think about to get it right, to get the right feeling. But once you've done that and you've got past all that, you can do exactly what you're doing now, Lucy, where you just focus on the you know what you're doing mm. you you're not you're not um, thinking all the time a little bit like a dj by the way when you're working all the switcher buttons but that just comes with practice yeah yeah okay so let's move on to cameras let's talk on to the camera kit chris i want to start with you um is there a particular camera that you recommend for people wanting to get into live streaming yes good question there mm. there are a um, there are a few different cameras that we would recommend um certainly in the in the sense that we've made a couple of kits that depending on uh, you might or might not be in one of our ecom um, website regions where there's a, a canon store but you might have, be able to uh, find one from a, a local canon dealer where we've we've put together um uh, an ideal camera uh, along with some extra uh, accessories that will make it uh, easy but if you're not into kits or you know uh, you've already got a camera there's essentially there's two uh, ways in which you can do things as clive actually uh, mentioned you can either look for one of our cameras that has a clean hdmi output and what that means is that when you send video out of the camera's uh, hdmi port you don't have to deal with any of the on-screen display stuff, you know, that shows where the focus is or yeah. tells you um, what what camera settings are on, because uh, that's you know nobody wants to see that in a um, in a stream. Yeah. Um, and pretty much every EOS camera that we've made for the past few years, and also power shots, uh, select power shots at least uh, for a couple of years, feature clean HDMI outputs. And um, so that's something that you can you can certainly look for on the specs. Everything from uh, EOS R, maybe EOS M6 Mark II, even down to the uh, EOS M200, as you know, it's a nice small entry level camera, uh, is uh, is capable of, of clean HDMI output. Um, and then the other way that you can go would be to um, use just about any modern. Uh, Canon EOS camera and a select few PowerShot cameras as well, uh, directly via USB with our EOS webcam utility. Uh, so the EOS webcam utility is a free download from uh, from the Canon website. Mm -hmm. It installs a driver onto your computer that allows you to select, when it's plugged in obviously, your Canon camera uh, as a webcam source. Uh, oh, wow. So that's really, really simple. And actually, mm -hmm. if you already own the camera, it doesn't require any additional investment. Um, the big difference between the two methods, um, or the biggest, I should say, is um, aside from the fact that an HDMI um, solution will require some kind of way of getting an HDMI signal into your computer via a capture card or a switcher or something else, mm -hmm. um, is that the HDMI uh, solution will give you um, a high-definition output. So some of our cameras will even give you a 4K output. Not that many people really stream in 4K because of various reasons from bandwidth mm. to, to power requirements. Yes. But, uh, but it can be handy for, for some of the same reasons that you might shoot in 4K and deliver in Full HD in the first place. Um, whereas the EOS webcam utility and uh, connecting directly via USB uh, is uh, slightly less than HD resolution. Having said that, there's nothing wrong with that, especially if you are doing 
you know, picture and picture streaming. Maybe you're into streaming games or you've got crafts or a hobby and the camera with your face on it is always going to be in the corner anyway. So it's not going to need the full resolution. So there's there's choices that you can make, um, principally those whether you want to or need the the full HD resolution when you yeah. stream. So it's almost like depending on your skill set and your level of expertise, there is a camera, accessory, software, there's bits of kit to help you regardless of what kind of level you're at. Pretty much. And the great thing about Canon gear um, is that certainly in the, in the modern era of the past, I mean, it's a few generations now, but more or less, and there are a couple of small exceptions, uh, all of our cameras are built on the, the sort of a technology platform that is um, designed ground up to be sort of performance first. So dual yeah. pixel CMOS AF. So most of our um, our sensors now are dual pixel CMOS sensors. Um, and without going too much into a deep dive, what it essentially means is that there's never going to be a a moment where your camera is going to struggle to to keep focus on you. And of course, when you're streaming you're not really in charge uh, from moment to moment of what, yeah. what's in focus. So you need to make sure that, that you're in focus. And so having um, things like dual pixel CMOS AF um, are really, really powerful um, like digit processors that, that judge auto exposure really, really uh, accurately and give smooth changes in, in exposure um, as we as you go through yeah. um, are really good for um, for streamers, whatever level they're at. Yeah. Well, I think it's so important, isn't it, to be able to rely on a bit of kit. Once you hit record and go, you want to focus on what you're doing on camera, not thinking what the camera is doing to you. So it's really good to know that all of Canon kit is so reliable in that respect when it comes to live streaming. And Clive, I feel like we could be here all day on this conversation, but <laughs> what cameras do you use in your streaming setup? Okay. Okay. Here right. we go. <laughs> um, well, I... I'm kind of a little bit decadent with my webcam, I'll be honest with you. And uh, uh, I don't know whether Chris has looked at the list, but I use a Cinema EOS C200 as my webcam. Now, I'm wow. not advertising everybody does that. I just so happen that uh, that seems to work very well. I'm also It's also got a, a monitor on it, which is quite useful. Um, and connected to the C200 is a an EF35 uh, 1.4 L2, um, and actually with that one, I've I've actually fixed the focus on that one. I've I've put it on manual and fixed it to one position. I think it's set at about f2, f2.8, and then as I say, I've I've created this blackout studio. So I've I've lit myself. I'm not saying I look like Rembrandt, but I've lit myself <laughs> uh, with kind of Rembrandt lighting, this yeah. three-dimensional lighting that I'm so passionate about. And then uh, the other cameras, I've got a my Rostrum camera, which is really, really important. That's an EOS R, again, clean HDMI. And by the way, uh, uh, Chris makes the really, really vitally important point that if you're going to stream, you need AC power adapters. It's absolutely fundamental because I remember when I first started, um, streams tend to, and now they're actually taking longer and longer, um, you don't have to think about um, changing batteries, and that that was something that was a uh, something that was a challenge initially. But um, yeah, I have an EOS R, and on that is the adapter ring, and that's got an EF sixteen thirty five f two point eight three USM, 
And then next to that, I have a 5D Mark IV, and this has got a very old lens on it. Uh, it's uh, That lens is over a decade old. Wow. It's a 14mm f2.8 L2 USM, and that one is really a wide. So, And what was, what's was what been really interesting to me, my, my, my software, uh, my streaming software, a production suite software, enables me to uh, not do picture-in-picture, picture, but to actually put uh, – picture side by side so um i'm able to put the rostrum camera on the right and me on the left as a wide and then i'm able to hold either equipment or prints underneath the rostrum camera and so you get a much more visually rich experience and i can engage so i get up from the chair here where i'm looking to the c200 um i then press the switcher button switch to another camera go to dual screen walk across, which is only like a step for me, yeah. uh, to the second camera and a second mic, and then I'm able to then carry on my presentation holding a print. And then working with the guys, uh, um, working with Ferry and Nathan, uh, we decided that we needed a beauty shot of the new uh, Canon Image ProGraph Pro 300, which is what I'm using for the live streamings about print. And so for that... Uh, we decided to use a PowerShot G5X Mark II, which is fantastic. Again, AC power adapter for that as well. That's fixed on what I call a magic arm. A lot of the rigging, by the way, that's something that I wasn't anticipating spending so much money on. And then the uh, the other camera that I have, and this this is this kind of mixes between two cameras. I have an R5. Uh, with an HDMI feed into the switcher, and that camera I bring up. T so for Richard Garrett, for example, uh, we 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 illustrated how the camera works. We can even so on my monitor, for example, I can bring a picture of a, a portrait uh, of a person on the monitor. Bring the R5 up with the RF 50 millimeter with head and eye recognition. I should say human head and IF and then I can explain how that works because the camera actually the the AI and the deep learning mm. and the algorithms actually spot the person even though it's in two dimensions and so you can illustrate how the camera works and also you can go into the camera settings so that's the that's the kind of fifth camera I could actually add one more camera but there's no need for it uh, right now yeah, that's your listening to your setup is uh, making me feel that my setup at home is super primitive. <laughs> I want to switch from. Camera I don't to know camera. whether you'd want the headache of it. I, I mean, it, you know, once you get, you know, you made the the very important point though, Lucy. You know, you get to a point where it starts to work, and then at that point, you sort of, you kind of, you just want to concentrate on the content. Yeah, of course. You know, that's the really important bit. Yeah. So you've talked cameras and I know you touched a little bit on some of the lenses, but I just want to kind of hammer home the importance of the different types of lenses you use for different shots um, and mm. why that's so important when it comes to streaming. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, I mean, of course, you wouldn't want to stick. I mean, I actually do put a 14 millimeter lens close to me and I do that for the simple reason that I'm in a very small space. We live in a, a cottage that was built in 1669. So I'm in the eaves of the building. And that's actually an advantage for two reasons. One is uh, I can move around it very quickly and I can move the switcher buttons 
um, very easily. It's become muscle memory now. And also it's good for sound. So uh, because there's so much equipment in here, it absorbs the sound. Um, so I decided that the Rostrum camera was very much about being able to see the printer, being able to see the print. I can show equipment, lenses. Um, so that's why uh, on the Rostrum camera I had the 1635. But the 14 mil was very much to show to give a wide shot. So I'm using my skills as a filmmaker in effect. So yeah. I've got I've got wide, mid, tight shots, and then I've got demonstration cameras. But yeah, lens choice is, is really really important. But I think if you're gonna use a lens for your for your webcam, uh, possibly a zoom might be useful. Mm -hmm. I mean, I started off with a 50 millimeter prime actually, which is one of my favorite focal lengths. Um, I don't know what you know. Chris may have a, a, a also advice on that. Yeah, I was going to say, Chris, are there any lenses that are especially good for streaming that you can uh, recommend or talk about? Yeah, there's a couple of different ways to to sort of approach that. I think uh, primarily what Clive was saying about having um, different uh, different lenses to give him different um, different aesthetics. You know, he's got, mm. got close-ups is important. And to go back to what you were saying um, at the beginning of, of when we started talking about having you know, an ideal room, um, depending on the space that you've got, different lenses are going to be different um, levels of useful for you. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. if you've got a really small space, then a wider angle uh, lens is going to give you, um, you know, the opportunity to get more in. Um, this is sort of common wisdom, really. If you've got enough space to have something like a 50 or even maybe even an 85 millimeter sort of beauty shot, then, then you're going to get a really sort of, um, sort of cinematic style aesthetic. It's not really what you tend to see a great deal yeah. in streaming, but we're, we're very much in the early days of things still. And what we might find is that as people start to get better when it comes to um, uh, their setups uh, and a little bit less sort of rock and roll with it, then... Yeah. Um, then we might find things like people using slightly longer focal lengths to give that classic, um, all of the, the you know the um, the benefits um, of having a, a slightly mid telephoto look to to a portrait sort of transferred over to streaming. Yeah. But another way to answer that question would be to sort of look at um, technologies of of the lenses, just to make sure that when you get something that you that you're going to be served well by it. So I think one of the key things is going to be uh, autofocus capability. So yes. as Clive mentioned, you know, he actually uses a fixed focus for, for some of his, his lenses. And if, you, of course, you do that, so if you've got, you know, Clive's got his frostum set up as well as uh, his, his um, portrait. Uh, but, you know, if you are, if you want a, a, a tabletop camera or something so that people can see you, I don't know, maybe you're playing music uh, or maybe you're, uh, doing sketching and or whatever you're doing in your stream yeah you don't necessarily need autofocus and actually in fact it's probably better if you turn autofocus off because you you know where you need to be focused and you don't mm, really need the camera to have to um you know get confused mm -hmm. um so in that sense autofocus isn't a particularly important thing for for a certain type of camera angle but if you've got um, and maybe the need to be in focus all the time, and maybe maybe you're a fitness trainer. Um, yeah. Maybe uh, you know, maybe you do music um, in a in a sort of a more like live performance kind of mm -hmm. way. Um, then autofocus is going to probably come in handy. 
Um, and then you have to start to think about the different ways in which we implement autofocus into our various lenses. So principally, there are three um, types of autofocus nowadays. It's kind of two and a half. Yeah. We've got um, our STM lenses, uh, and you'll know it's an STM lens because the lens title has STM in it. Uh, and it, it stands for stepping motor, and it is really good for smooth and quiet autofocus. So the quiet is going to be really useful if you use your camera's microphone or a microphone yes. plugged into your camera to um, uh, for your stream. But the smoothness is what really makes STM lenses, uh, well, the other thing that really makes STM lenses um, super useful because it kind of gives you that... Um, uh, focus puller look of of, uh, of a larger production yeah, and it keeps on your face that. very subtly. Mm. Uh, the other type of lens that we that we make um, is called a USM lens, and again, it'll be in the title of the lens. Um, and it's a USM is an ultrasonic motor, um, and this technology was developed um, primarily to be incredibly quick and accurate for photos. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what you might find is a USM lens will be uh, a little bit noisier. We're not talking sort of like, um, uh, you know, crunching gears in a, in a car, uh, but we're, it is slightly noisier than a, an STM lens. Mm-hmm. And also the smoothness is not quite on the par. It, you might sort of feel like it's, it, it's step between, uh, being in focus, um, a little bit more, but the newer the lens, and especially our USM lenses and our ESR system, have kind of got to the point now where there's there's almost no distinguishable difference for a lot of people. Even our older stuff, like say for instance our uh, EF eighty five millimeter USM, which is one of our our longest served lenses, mm-hmm. you know that's going to give you to to most people's uh, level of of requirement uh, just absolutely fine um, autofocus. And then I said there was three, but really two and a half. We've actually developed a technology called Nano USM, yeah. um, which kind of takes the best of both worlds. It's very quick for photo and very smooth for video, as well as being very quiet. Uh, it's a technology that we've we've started to put on um, on lenses in the past couple of years. Uh, so something like our RF twenty four to one hundred five f four L IS USM lens. Yeah. It's always hard to say our lens names in a single breath. I appreciate that. <laughs> Um, has has nano USM and uh, it's in, it's incredibly smooth. Um, so that's there's if that's sort of two sides to answering that question about uh, the ideal lens. Mm-hmm. The, the kind of normal, do you you know all the reasons why you normally pick a lens, and then the the, the side from autofocus. And I suppose yeah. you could add, tag on to that while we're talking about technical things. Unless you're um, moving around and doing like IRL streams where you're you're out and about then IS, image stabilization, is probably not going to be first on your list of requirements. So, mm. you know, Clive said he's got the um, the 35mm uh, f1.4L uh, lens. That's not an IS lens, but because it's not moving, then yep. it's not really a, a concern. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I've just learned a lot from you in that in that short space. Yeah, you are, me too. You me really too. are a fountain of knowledge of all things lenses, and obviously that's why you are in the position that you are in. <laughs> Is there anything else that you'd recommend then um, that for people when setting up a live studio? I think that um, 
the 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 important thing is to make sure that you get the obviously get the camera right uh then make sure that you get um i think you said it at the beginning lucy like um the uh the tripod you know you need to the positioning of the camera is as important as um as getting the camera in the first place don't yeah. if if possible now of course go punk rock to start with balance it on books but <laughs> As soon as you take a book out and it starts to look different every stream and you have to think about putting it back together, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Then having some kind of way to semi-permanently get back to where you were is is ideal. So I mean we've we've got our um our kits with with a like mini tripod and that kind of thing that will really help. Um but apart from that, um sound and lighting, which um, you know, neither of which are necessarily Canon's like central product lines, mm-hmm. but of course it's super important to us in, in imaging and, and sound. We do make the DM series of, of microphones that are, are really good. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Clive's setup would be um, a very different thing without his, his beautiful lighting, his setup as he's, as he's talked us through. So um, that's, that's kind of the, the key, I think, make sure that everything yeah. looks and sounds good. And what I said at the beginning about making sure that you've got enough cables and, and that kind of thing to not have to be constantly stressed is yeah. what I would suggest. Yeah, I, I think that's something maybe a lot of, it wasn't on a lot of people's minds, but it, it will be now. Cables, more important than you think. Um, and Clive, I've got to ask you, um, mm. which lessons have you learned from doing this over the past year? Um, and is there anything that you'd have done differently or that you'd like to try? I think, it's not so much a technical answer, uh, Lucy, on that mm. for me. It's more about the importance of putting yourself outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. You know, uh, that that that's the. It, I'm a perfectionist by nature, and it, it's both a blessing and a curse. And uh, what live stream has taught has taught me is that mistakes will happen. People will be very forgiving. Um, so don't be afraid of making mistakes. And it's actually through the, uh, like everything in life, it's the process of making the mistakes is what we learn you know how we learn and so that's been one of the biggest learnings for me yeah and I think you are a great example of you know like you say putting yourself outside of your comfort zone can be hugely beneficial and impactful and I think you're a brilliant example of that and you've given many many examples throughout the last um, hour yeah it's fantastic what you've done honestly I'm genuinely going to look at my setup after this (laughs) And, and tweak it a little bit. Um, and and have, do you have any um, advice, um, either of you, for other photographers wanting to stream workshops? Anything you might want to add? Um, I guess from uh, my perspective, if if you don't feel comfortable with the live streaming, you know, tone it down. You know, you don't have to go to the extent that I have. But as, as Chris said, think about your camera setup and think about your sound. Um, they're, they're two really important things and the way you light yourself and the kind of look and feel you want to create. Um, and then get that down pat, and then you can actually just concentrate on the uh, on your own performance. It's what you're comfortable with, but if, like me, you want to be ambitious, then I would just say go for it because um, it will make the the experience that much richer for the people who who join your streams and give you something that we all want. It will give you something unique. Yeah, that is such fantastic advice. And Chris, do you have anything to add on top of that? I think the last thing for me to say is that it's been incredibly inspiring to talk uh, to to Clive and, and hear about what Clive's yeah. doing. Um, and you know, from from my perspective, we just need to make sure that the right people get the the right products. And so uh, it sounds like Clive's a bit of a 
an ambassador for, for, for getting it right, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and finally, Clive, where can listeners check out your work or get information on your workshops? Okay, um, well, obviously Canon UK, if you follow the Canon UK feed. My own feed is at Clive Booth Photo. That's, uh, that's Instagram, that's Twitter, that's Facebook. Uh, you can see my home film on the Canon YouTube channel. You can see the recent film I made uh, recorded here uh, on the Hannah Mueller YouTube YouTube channel that was a collaboration with Canon mm -hmm. and my own website is cliveboothcom do get in touch with me by the way on social media I will get back to you oh that's nice that's good to know <laughs> um, and on that note that brings us to the end of yet another excellent Shutter Stories episode Clive and Chris you have been such fantastic guests I've really enjoyed our chat so thank you so much for joining me on the show um, and for such fascinating insight into your studio Clive and all the fantastic work that you're doing it's just thanks, incredible Lucy. thanks Chris it's been really enjoyable to be a part of this I'm so grateful to have had the opportunity oh, thank you oh that's making me smile and Chris it was so good to pick your brain on all things technical um, I'm sure you've given our listeners lots to go away and think about so thanks to you and thanks to you for listening it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, Lucy. And thanks again, Clive. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can rate and subscribe in the episodes listing. If you have any thoughts or feedback on today's episode or the podcast as a whole, why not reach out to us on social media? You'll find our details in the description below. We'd love to hear from you.